0: Welcome to this episode of the National Police Association podcast number 36. Tributes paid to a fatally wounded Missouri police officer, NPA supports Portland police in court, and former governor trying to regain his reputation after being the victim of political prosecution. From Springfield, Missouri. Newsweek reports tributes have been paid to a Missouri police officer who died from his injuries after being shot by a gunman who opened fire inside a gas station in Springfield. Police officer Christopher Walsh, 32, died along with three civilians after a gunman began shooting inside a come-and-go gas station and convenience store at around 11.43 p.m. On March 15, the suspect is said to have previously opened fire in the area of Battlefield Road and Lone Pine Avenue as well as at 2100 South Ingram Mill and at Sunshine and Highway 65. After crashing his vehicle outside the gas station, the suspect ran inside and opened fire at customers and employees. Both of these officers showed significant bravery and were heroic in their actions, Springfield police said in a statement. When backup arrived, they managed to pull the two injured officers out of the store. Police later found three others dead from suspected gunshot wounds as well as one injured victim. The gunman, identified as 31-year-old Joaquin S. Roman, was also found deceased from an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound. Walsh was taken to a nearby hospital for treatment, but later died from his injuries. Springfield Police Chief Paul Williams has now paid tribute to the officer, who had been with the department since 2016. Chris died a hero, rushing in without regard to his own safety to protect members of his community. His courageous actions serve as an example to us all, Williams said in a statement. Walsh was assigned as a patrol officer after graduating with the 68th Academy. He was also an Army veteran, active in the U.S. Army Reserves for 10 years. He is survived by his wife and daughter. Overton sustained non-life-threatening injuries and is being treated at a local hospital, elsewhere. The Springfield Police Officers Association and the Springfield Police Department have set up a fundraiser in order to help support the family of the fallen officer. Those wishing to donate to the cause can do so by dropping it off at Metro Credit Union, Downtown, 447 S, Campbell Avenue, Springfield, Missouri 65806. Due to the current coronavirus outbreak it has been requested that donations be dropped off via the drive through or overnight drop box. Officer Christopher Walsh was a father, husband, veteran and community hero, who laid down his life to save another, a joint statement read, to focus the fundraising efforts for Officer Walsh's family, the Springfield Police Officers Association has worked with Metro Credit Union to set up a relief fund, all donations made to this account will be for Officer Walsh's family and will assist in providing a blanket of protection for his loved ones. From Portland, Oregon, the Oregonian Reports lawyers for the city of Portland urged a judge to throw out claims in a lawsuit that alleged police used excessive force indiscriminately against anti-fascist protesters in an August 2018 protest while protecting patriot prayer demonstrators, that the city somehow condones or sympathizes with fascists is simply an outrageous claim that should be properly stricken, Deputy City Attorney Michael Jeter argued in a hearing conducted by phone before U.S magistrate judge stacy f beckerman it unnecessarily impugns the character of the city and its officers it's scandalous and has no business being in the lawsuit in october three protesters who said they were assaulted by portland police during the august 4 2018 demonstration downtown against Patriot Prayer filed a federal civil rights suit against the city and police. One of the protesters said a police flashbang grenade struck the back of his head and penetrated his helmet and his skull. The protesters contend that the city has a practice of using militarized force, including the firing of aerial distraction devices against left-wing or counter-fascist protesters to punish them for their political speech while not using force against right-wing protesters, such as the Proud Boys or Patriot Prayer, attorney Juan Chavez, representing two of the plaintiffs. Aaron Anthony Cantu and Tracy Molina, said police used force against counter-protesters with little provocation. Cantu said he suffered a traumatic brain injury from a flashbang grenade when police fired into a passive crowd. Molina was holding a sign that read, hey racists stop making your ignorance our problem grow up or go home and was trying to get on the sidewalk near southwest columbia and first avenue when police were trying to disperse the counter protesters according to the suit co-plaintiff james maddox says police fired a rubber-tipped projectile as he was moving away from officers waving his anarchist shield flipping off the officers and shouting profanities the suit says he was hit first in his upper thigh picked up the projectile held it in the air and shouted, look you missed. According to the suit, he was then shot again, in the right arm, the suit says, Jeter said the plaintiff's claims are too broad, unclear, lack specific facts and should be thrown out or they should be ordered to file an amended complaint. The suit alleges that conservative leader Joey Gibson of Patriot Prayer exploited the protests and that the city had a history of coordinating with Gibson and his right-wing supporters to organize Portland Police Bureau for Security at Patriot Prayer's events, Attorney James Buchel who represents Gibson in a separate civil case in Multnomah County Circuit Court, urged the court on behalf of the National Police Association to allow the Delaware-based, non-profit group that supports law enforcement to file a friend-of-the-court brief in support of Portland Police. NPA believes that its briefing will benefit the court by providing a broader perspective concerning the critical issues relating to police use of force during public unrest, Buchel wrote, the NPA considers this case to be of special significance in that the use of less-than-lethal force is a crucial but often misunderstood tool used by police departments to combat dangerous public disorder, wrote the National Police Association, in a signed declaration filed in court. The NPA advocates the use of force by police when public safety is jeopardized by anti-police organizations such as Antifa and their sympathizer. From Missouri, Armstrong Williams reports former Missouri Governor Eric Griden's meteoric rise to power and dramatic fall from grace has found a happy ending of sorts. Not only was Gridens recently exonerated of all wrongdoing after a 20-month investigation conducted by the Missouri Department of Ethics, his accusers, including the St. Louis' first African-American city prosecutor, are finding themselves facing scrutiny and possible prison time for their roles in falsely accusing the former governor. The scandal seemingly erupted out of nowhere in January 2018, a day after then Governor Gridens had delivered his second State of the State address. His administration was in a celebratory mood after Gridens, a conservative outsider and Navy SEAL veteran, had, in just under two years in office, managed to successfully introduce legislation that ended gifts to lobbyists, killed politicians' pay raise, and slammed shut the revolving door between lobbyists and the executive branch, most notably. He had managed to put a halt to Missouri's low-income housing tax credit, an insider cabal that made developers and syndicators rich to the tune of more than a billion dollars over the preceding decade, but provided very little actual low-income housing, apparently cutting off the taxpayer-funded gravy train pissed off a lot of insiders. They soon conspired with the help of newly elected St. Louis Circuit attorney Kim Gardner to bring Gridens down, Gardner whose campaign was largely funded by billionaire activist George Soros, rose to power on the heels of the unrest in Ferguson. On a campaign of reforming the St. Louis Police Department and mending the frayed community relations, she was seen as the anti-police candidate, in stark contrast to Gridens, who actively promoted police officers and was supported by police unions. After media reports of an extramarital affair Griden's had before he was elected began to leak, Gryden's admitted to the affair in January 2018, the next day. Gardner announced she was initiating an investigation into allegations that Gryden's had attempted to blackmail his former paramour into keeping silent by threatening to disclose a compromising photo of her. As the record in the case later revealed, Gardner had already initiated an investigation into Gryden's almost a month previously, in December 2017 and so began a concerted effort by the Soros-funded gardener and an outside investigator to bring down the governor based on a manufactured investigation with no evidence. Gridens was dutifully arrested, dragged down to police headquarters for a mugshot, and indicted on charges of felony sexual misconduct and campaign malfeasance. Both charges were later dropped after prosecutors failed to disclose any evidence but they stuck long enough to force Gryden's resignation from office, as prosecutors prepared the trial, several unusual tactics were revealed, first, and most strikingly, is that Gardner did not rely upon the St. Louis Police Department to investigate the sexual misconduct charges, instead, she hired an outside investigator, former FBI agent William Tisabee to handle the investigation. Tisaby is now alleged to have lied under oath and he is being charged with six counts of perjury by a special prosecutor assigned to investigate the case against Gridens and to have withheld exculpatory evidence from Griden's defense. A central question is whether any evidence of a photograph even existed, there were allegedly cash payments totaling almost $120,000 made to witnesses, adding further speculation as to the political motives of the prosecution's case. There were further allegations contained in the deposition transcripts that the day Ams, Gardner brought charges against Governor Grydens, his principal political adversary in the Missouri legislature was texting Griden's accuser for whom she had served as a longtime mentor, urging her to come forward with her allegations, when the taped deposition which investigator Tizabe denied under oath even existed later magically surfaced. The accuser admitted that she had not approached police with her allegation because she could have dreamed about the photo and was not sure about her recollection, she had not gone forward to police for a reason, she herself did not have any evidence, but what is more alarming is the extent to which a Soros-funded prosecutor and investigator were able to weaponize law enforcement against a political adversary, they manufactured a fake investigation out of whole cloth, and claimed it was an independent investigation. Many shrugged off as hyperbole the Trump administration's complaints about a deep state conspiracy to delegitimize the results of the election by manufacturing crimes, investigating them, and then spreading a false narrative through the media, but the saga involving ex-governor Gridens is a clearly documented case of deep state perfidy, they created enough smoke to force a duly elected governor from office, thus negating the will of the voters who elected him. Although the charges were withdrawn as soon as misconduct in the investigation was discovered, and Ms. Gardner herself was going to be forced by the presiding judge to testify under oath about what she knew about the false allegations. The damage was already done, the Tizabee trial is due to start in a few weeks, it is likely that he may try to get a deal for reduced charges, he is facing significant jail time if convicted and will implicate Circuit Attorney Gardner in the false allegations against Griden's. Meanwhile, the national media has picked up the story about Griden's complete exoneration, although local media seems to be slow on the uptake. Griden's legal team is awaiting the outcome of the Tisabee trial to determine whether it will bring its own civil lawsuits against those involved in his malicious prosecution, Ms. Gardner seems to sense the peril she's in as well. She recently filed a federal lawsuit against the city alleging that St. Louis' unprecedented decision to appoint a special prosecutor in the Greidens investigation is a racially motivated conspiracy to undermine her effectiveness in holding the police and other public officials accountable. She is suing under the Ku Klux Klan Act of 1871 which was designed to eliminate extra-legal violence and protect the civil and political rights of freed slaves. The bill authorizes the president to intervene against any state's attempt to deny any person or any class of persons of the equal protection of the laws, or of equal privileges or immunities under the laws. The irony of course, is that it is Ms. Gardner who is weaponizing government power against her political adversaries and bringing false charges that resulted in bringing down a duly elected governor and in doing so may have committed the very violations that the law was designed to prevent. Many citizens, including African-American Zems, Gardner says she wants to protect, seem appalled by the affair, they are frightened, after all, if prosecutors could weaponize the law against the rich and politically well-connected. Those who have resources to defend themselves, imagine what they could do against the average person on the street corner with no education, wealth, or connections. Gridens and his family and close associates are trying to pick up the pieces as best they can. They are well on their way of repairing their reputations, which had been shattered by the whole affair. The toll on the families involved has been quite high, both financially and emotionally, and there is still lots of healing that needs to take place. Greidens does see some light at the end of the tunnel though, I love serving, he said, I am still in the Navy Reserves, and at some point I'd love to serve again, but right now I am really focused on trying to get the truth out. This news brought to you by the National Police Association, to learn more about how you can help law enforcement accomplish its goals visit nationalpolice.org.